Live from the Kings County Distillery Studios in New York City, it's the Hospitality Hangout Podcast with the restaurant guy and the finance guy. We've got our whiskey on the rocks ready. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, Jimbo. And I encourage everyone at home, if you've got a cocktail, grab it because you're going to need it. we got a great podcast. Jimmy, <laughs> let's get with it, baby. Yeah, I got to say, Jimmy, a fun afternoon. And for avoidance of any doubt, it's not 5 o'clock here. Doesn't mean libations may or may not be consumed. Oh, it's definitely five o'clock somewhere. It's just not five o'clock here. All right. I want to welcome you all much more formally. And thank you for joining us on the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders brand the hospitality ventures, share their insights, and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the finance guy. And I'll introduce, reintroduce my brother, my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the restaurant guy. And thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. And for all those listening, you can call me Shatsy. Jimmy, we got an incredible, incredible show. So before I get to it, though, Jimmy, because we've got a great guest and a great episode. Last night, Jimmy, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep awake. I was up all night. I, yeah, I had dinner at Isabel's. I had dinner at Isabel's. Beautiful dinner. The whole family, my sister's in town. Great dinner. Great dinner. And then I got home and I'm in bed and I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking about, Jimbo? I have no idea. I'm a little nervous. I was thinking about technology and wouldn't ah. it be amazing, Jimmy, wouldn't it be amazing as a restaurant operator, if you could go to one place, just one place and find all the technology in the whole world that you could use, that you needed <laughs> in one spot, wouldn't that be sick? Wouldn't that be unbelievable? That was, like that was Amazon me. for restaurant technology. You see where I'm going with this? I see where you're going with that. And Amazon, please don't send us a cease and desist letter on that. Jimmy, it's out there. It's out there, Jimmy. <laughs> Boom.store exists. You got to go check it out. Boom.store. You go out there. It's free for operators, Jimmy. It's free for everybody. Free. How, how do we make money on this, Shotzi? Volume, Jimmy. Volume. With, with, volume. The way I did the <laughs> math, Jimmy, if, if over 1.5 million people start using it, the free becomes less yes. free and it becomes... Yes. Yes. You understand. You're yes. the finance guy, Jimmy. I'll tell you how it works. Yes. Anyway, Jimmy, I encourage everybody, check out Boom.Store. If you're looking for a technology solution, there's over 500 of the latest and greatest innovations in technology that will help your restaurant or hospitality business succeed. So I encourage everybody to check it out. Jimmy, I'm done with my shame. Shameless plug. Let's go, baby. Yes, that was a our own self-promotion, but all good fun. Listen, we are super excited for today's episode. Joining us today is our friend, Mr. Josh Kern, CEO of SPB Hospitality. And let me tell you something. We've had a lot of great guests on our podcast. I aspire to continue having great guests, but we're going to have a lot of fun today with Mr. Kern. I'm super excited. Thanks uh, for I having me. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, let's jump into it. Do we have to we have to do a little trivia first? Well, yes. Before I fight Mr. Kern, my Josh is like, do I ever get to speak or is it basically <laughs> your never-ending preamble? My last bit, but it's not preamble. Given that our podcasts are released on Tuesdays, and now that the Taco Tuesday has been settled between the juggernauts, Trivia Tuesday was not part of that fight, by the way. But for our listeners, here's how we play the Trivia Tuesday. Here's the game, two truths and a lie. We're going to say two truths and an untruth, which I guess is the same thing as saying a lie. And here's how it works. I'm going to give you three facts about our friend Josh. Two are true. Factoids, Jimmy. Factoids. Two factoids. Two are true. One is false. Uh, and the game, Shatsu will play first. You can play at home. And at the end of the episode, we're going to ask Josh to reveal which were the two truths and which was one lie. Two, two youths. Two youths and a lie. Here we go. Fact one. Josh once traveled to Ma Moscow, Russia. Fact That's two. That's a lie, Jimmy. That's a lie. No way did Josh go to Moscow. <laughs> 
Incorrect. Well, I didn't say he went like last week. It could have been. I mean, okay. it didn't have been the last few months. Okay, right, I could buy he went into to that. Moscow. My mom was in Moscow. I could buy yes. that. Yeah. Fact two: Josh flew on Air Force One. I like that. I right. fact three: Josh is. There's no way he was on Air Force One. All right. Well, I didn't. I didn't say play the game now. I said I'm giving you the three. But facts. I always like, like to add my little, oh, you know, spice. And fact three: Josh is a franchisee. Not only is he a CEO of, of SPB Hospitality, could he also be a franchisee? That would make start. the most sense out of everything. I mean, the guy's a restaurant guy. Of course, Which, he's a franchisee. That could be the ruse. That could be the ruse. Anyway, fact one, Josh traveled to Moscow, Russia. Fact two, Josh flew on Air Force One. Fact three, Josh is a franchisee. Stick around for the end of the episode. We'll let it out. Okay, here we go. Josh, I finally, got, by the way, got it all done already. I already okay. have it, so it's all over. Great. Well, that was the episode, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the yeah. No, here See we you go. later. Josh, Josh Finally, we're going to let you get involved, take the lead. Please give us a background introduction to yourself. And of course, please introduce FPP Hospitality. Absolutely. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me this afternoon. And I'm really excited to, to be on and, and follow some distinguished guests. That's the that lie, Jimmy. That's the lie right there. We caught him. We caught him. <laughs> Hey, if you, you had GJ uh, on a couple of weeks yes. ago, so it's, it's hard to follow in his footsteps, although he's been, he's actually been a good mentor of mine. Uh, we're both in, in Denver, Colorado. And so it's been nice to kind of, to learn from him uh, as he's gone through his distinguished career. So certainly hats off to GJ, but yeah, I'm, you know, like, like you both, I'm just a, a restaurant hack. I've been in the marketing side of the business for many, many years. I cut my teeth in the glory days of Quiznos. Uh, I joined when there were about 1,800 restaurants and I left when there were about 5,000. Now, maybe there's 150 left. We won't go down that rabbit hole. I was going to uh, say, isn't that going <laughs> the wrong direction? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that not, that's not one place. I, 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 we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I learned the good, the bad, the ugly from, from that stint. But, uh, but yeah, I've been, been with brands from everything from, from Quiznos to Village Inn. Baker Square, you know, Smashburger. We started Live Basil Pizza, Tom's Watch Bar. And so I've been part of those distinguished uh, brands. I, I worked on the franchisee side of things for Outback out in California, which are the largest franchisee for Outback. And, and now, you know, with SPB, which is hard to say fast, it was kind of born at Steak Pizza Beer because those were kind of the brands that were under the halo. May I interrupt? Because I was going to ask you what SPB stands for. For our listeners, is that breaking news? Steak, pizza, beer. Can we disclose that? Or is that? I mean, we've said it before. I think it can be breaking news that now I've turned it to serving people better as SPB. Oh, so yeah. a little oh, you bit. You see that? Yeah. Now that's breaking news. All there right. Steak, pizza, beer. SPB is now serving people better. Breaking news. CNBC's got nothing on us. There you go. To keep with the bro vest. Yeah, I, I've got to be corporate in terms of serving people I better like versus that. steak, pizza, beer. So. But in the height, you know, in 2020, the what was known as Craftworks went through Chapter 11. Fortress ended ended up picking up kind of an asset purchase. So we had to kind of end the name Craftworks Holdings, which included brands like Logan's, Rock Bottom, Gordon Beers, Old Chicago. And so we needed, we had to legally to, to get a new name. And that's when SPB Hospitality was born. And that's what we are today. So I've been with what is known as these collection of brands really since November of 2018 and have seen a lot. You know, we, we got through the pandemic through a chapter 11. We since have acquired J. Alexander's and, and Stony River in terms of some brands we picked up to the portfolio. So now we're about 16 brands, about 590 restaurants, including Crystal now. 
And we're about, you know, just over a billion and a half dollars in revenue. And so a billion with a B? With a B, a big B, yes. So Jimmy. Yeah, it's Jimmy. Yeah. Now I mean that's over a billion dollars. That's unbelievable. Listen, I gotta tell you, I, I appreciate everything you just shared. We're gonna take a deeper dive into everything that's going on over at SPB, serving people better hospitality, formerly known as Craftworks. Also, uh, there are a whole bunch of other names. But before we do, let's take a really deep dive. Let's go back. Josh, let's take a 1994. You're basically a United States senator. You're basically a senator. So you're a All senator right. of the United States of America. <laughs> and then you're like, you know what? I don't want to be a senator. I want to go to Quiznos. You go to Quiznos. <laughs> And so tell us how you go from being a senator to Quiznos to Smashburger to becoming SBP. I mean, because that's unbelievable. Just for the audience, it's legislative aid at the U.S. Senate is what Jetsy <laughs> meant to say. Yes. Basically, I, Jimmy, Jimmy, it's the same thing. He's basically a senator. Just trying to help. It's exactly. No, it, you know, working on Capitol Hill, I, I've always been enamored with pop culture, what's happening in today's society. I think that's why I love restaurants to this day. But I cut my teeth at, yeah, on Capitol Hill worked for a U.S. senator and, you know, saw all the crazy stuff. How do you disclose the senator's name? Is that legal or we can't disclose? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Senator Jeff Bingham and probably one, an atypical politician did not like an entourage, you know, wasn't in it for the the glamour or that, you know, kind of the dollars. He was really specialized in energy, education. He was a Harvard undergrad, Stanford law degree. I mean, he was an upstanding member of society. Unlike some of the folks that are up there these days, but we could talk forever on that. But I, I, I always wanted to kind of, you know, st- I, I wanted to run for mayor of Albuquerque, New Mexico at, at one point in my dreams. But yeah, I met my ex-wife now, but I met her along the way in the journey and, and she ended up going to Michigan. She was a reporter for a Fox affiliate. And then we came back to Denver. And at that point in time, I knew that I had to get out of politics. I knew, I knew that you can't make money in that world. And so Quiznos came a calling and was something that- New Jersey seems like she's doing very well right now. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, I got gold a gold bar right here. Yeah, he's got, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I think you're pretty easy. Get off politics. Get off politics. Exactly. Yeah. I won't even mention Hunter Biden. <laughs> and his, but but uh, yeah, so, so Quiznos, I mean, the journey I started, you know, really as before in between that gap, I was with an advertising agency and I was doing a lot of product placement in, in movies with Coors Light. And so Quiznos wanted to do that. So they recruited me and worked on that. I eventually became VP of marketing and was handling kind of all, you know, the, the basics in terms of what we're doing. At that point in time, it's a hundred million dollar advertising budget. I was part of the, the team that was responsible for bringing the sponge monkeys to life. And so that is something where they were basically singing rats. So you either <laughs> loved the, the TV spots or you hated them and franchisees wanted to kill me and kill us at the same time. So. Learn an awful lot. I mean, that's really when I, and I joked about the beginning about the good, the bad, the ugly. Someone needs to write the book. The title of the book should be toasted. There is so much craziness that went on at Quiznos that, you know, some things are not probably allowed. Maybe it's kind of, it's past its time, but certainly just ways not to treat franchisees certainly were things that I picked up on that front. I think it's made me a better franchisor. I really value franchisees and see them as such a strong constituency. So. I think that the root took hold in terms of folks that are investing in brands. I think Quiznos certainly, you know, was one of those at the time. Quiznos got his clock cleaned. Subway came in, started toasting product, uh, all the classic things that brands do to start to pick out on 
cost effectiveness. And so, you know, trying to get those ovens to go a little bit faster and so that the toasting is not as crunchy and crispy, getting rid of garlic that went on the spread of the sandwiches, just everything you can possibly imagine started to go wrong. And when you grow that quickly, you feel those pains and yep. certainly Quiznos went through that. So it was an interesting time when I left in 2007, actually, when the brand had sold for, you know, 49% of it sold for 963 million. I did not get a single cent of that uh, or any crumbs. You heard it here, everybody. He did not get a single (laughs) cent of that. (laughs) And so I knew that at that point in time, I wanted to kind of grow and do something else. That's became CMO of American Blue Ribbon Holdings, which is Village in Baker Square. And so made that transition, the first foray into that family dining into casual. And then, you know, have been part of casual brands with the exception of Smashburger in between there on a fast casual ever since. So, but yeah, there are things that I certainly, I think about even at, you know, sitting in this proverbial chair at the top uh, of what Quiznos taught me and how important the product is to guests and what it means to really, you know, integrate that guest experience from soup to nuts whenever you're dealing with that side of the business. Yeah. Let me jump in. Actually, I find really what I find very interesting about that. And and actually this will be a wonderful kind of segue into the topic I wanted to ask you about. Well, when people ask me about my own management style or otherwise, you know, I think for me, and it sounds like for you as well, you learn from the good and you learn from the bad. You learn from the wins. And the ugly, the Jimmy. The ugly. And, and the, I, I like to say the otherwise, but yeah, the ugly. Mr. Clip, these were, that's for I was you. just thinking about the movie. Yep. But I think, I actually think, and, and I think you were alluding to that, we learn much more, I think, from seeing failures. So we learn more from mistakes. We, in fact, I think a lot of my management style is not doing what I saw other people do when they were maybe managing me or I watched them managing other teams, I was like, well, I didn't like that. I didn't think it worked. Don't do that. I think a lot of my own style is not doing what I saw other people do. So I've had the privilege or Shatz and I've had the privilege on this program. We've had some incredible leaders, you know, industry leaders, and each have given us their own insights and stories. And it's super fun about their own motivational style or imagined style. And I have to say, I find in hearing about your own style, what I feel is incredibly unique. At least you're the first one that ever has compared a leadership style to your love of the game of craps. And to be clear, yes, I do said craps. I'm talking about the famous I'm casino game. I, I can't wait to go to Vegas with Josh <laughs> and hit the craps. <laughs> no. That's our game, Jimbo. You know, <laughs> yes. And there's always action. There's noise. And look, a lot of people talk about, you know, the game of poker, particularly from a competitive and strategic thinking where there's only one winner. But in the game of craps, there is the opportunity for people to win together. So I'd oh, love a winner. That's what the action in the casino. So before we go down this entire podcast into the game of gambling, why don't you share a little bit more about kind of your in it together leadership strategy and kind of maybe how your love of love game of craps kind of contributed to this in it together. Hello, everybody. I've got to talk to you about something really important. It's about point of sale systems. Touch Bistro is an all-in-one point-of-sale restaurant management system. That is point-of-sale. That's POS, everybody. Touch Bistro is an all-in-one point-of-sale restaurant management system that makes running your restaurant easier, better, simpler. If it's better, it's simpler, it's easier. You're making more money. You're having a good time. Touch Bistro is providing the most essential front-of-house, back-of-house, and guest engagement solutions. All, listen to this, everybody, all on one super-duper powerful platform. Touch Bistro helps restaurateurs streamline and simplify their operations. It's allowing them to spend less time, allowing not them, you, allowing you, the restaurant operator, spend less time manually connecting the dots 
and more time connecting with guests and growing your business and selling more food and making everybody happy so they come back more and more and more. Hey, you know what Touch Bistro is? It's built for the unique needs of the restaurant industry. Touch Bistro, it's fast, it's reliable, and it's easy to use, and it has all the features that every restaurant operator needs to increase sales, deliver the best guest experience that you can find, and it'll save you both time and money. Time and money. So listen, visit touchbistro.com. That's touchbistro.com. And find out some more information. By the way, if you want, you can email me at podcast at branded strategic. That's podcast at branded strategic.com. Just put in Shatsy Touch Bistro. I'll connect you to Touch Bistro myself. I will personally walk you to, invite you to meet the CEO, and he will get you set up on Touch Bistro. That's the kind of service they are. They are touch, 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 high touch. That's why it's Touch Bistro. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, that, it's it's a good point, and it's, you know, it is that camaraderie. So it's everybody kind of all in. There's been conversations that you can have while you're still playing the game. It is kind of everyone in together. I mean, sometimes the foil is the person that comes in that's going to go the opposite direction on the point, which, Never you know, sometimes person, Josh, yeah, exactly. that person's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but then that builds up other, I mean, because everybody starts to get mad at that, that individual. And, and for me as a marketer, you know, I'm not in you know, when it comes to the numbers, it helps me in terms of knowing and figuring out, well, okay, what are the odds on that? So there's the numbers piece that, that comes along with it. But on the other side is it's that full interaction and just being kind of present in terms of a game that's not so solitary. So certainly it can relate to that. And I am a people person. I am a very empathetic leader. I lead from my, my heart. And so there certainly is that kind of, you know, no one really is, is a loser where you can lose a lot of money in craft sale, but at least it's something that come, you come away with a little bit of a positive aspect to what's been happening. So I do love that particular gaming apparatus and I've lost a lot. I've won a lot, but well, yeah, I, Josh, I, certainly I always tell people, you know, when you go to Vegas and you see those incredibly large, gorgeous casinos with chandeliers and bars and room, they don't just generally build those on winners. <laughs> absolutely absolutely you know? yep. but listen yep. i appreciate a lot of losers for sure yeah a lot of losers for sure but i gotta tell you <laughs> we do have a great time at the grab stable i uh, i hope you don't lose too much over there but next time we're in vegas we'll definitely hit that together i want to change for gears sure. a little bit you talked a little bit about marketing and you have a lot of experience in marketing i think you you come from the marketing background after you were senator you got into the whole marketing at i think it was uh jay walter uh, thompson a uh, well-known uh, one of the biggest in the in the world at that time old school um, yep but, but yeah, but I also noticed that when we talk about it, certainly some of the guests that we've had on and just the people we know in the biz, a lot of marketing or CMOs, I look at John Payton, we spoke to Jimmy and I just a, a week or so ago, CEO of Dime Brands. He was the CMO at Starwood. Rob Lynch over Papa John's. He was a CMO at, over at Arby's. Jen Schuler at Wetzel's. She was a CMO. Where was she the CMO? I, I don't remember, but she was a CMO somewhere. She was a yep, yep. Oh, before she, she was, was the yep. CEO. Before, yep, and, yep. and so what is the, uh, what kind of skill set do you think it is that so many folks that are the marketing folks are kind of transforming into the CEO folks? I and mean, a lot of times you saw that the, the CEOs come from the financial kind of side of things. And now you're kind of seeing, at least in the hospitality space, a lot of the CEOs that we're seeing are coming from the marketing side. Yeah, I think, I don't know if the pendulum started, you know, kind of, it, it certainly is fast forward in the past 18 months, 24 months. 
I don't think that anything that the, the crazy COVID world had any impact to that. But I do think marketers, we certainly touch every part of the business and you can really kind of encapsulate everything in guest experience. And nowadays that's touching the tech stack. It's not only driving awareness and traffic and building sales, but you got to make sure that operations is in the loop and that you have a deployment team that is pushing out these different elements. You got to understand contracts with numerous entities. You have to know how to you know, AR, AP, what's cash flow. So I do think that just as marketers have grown in their responsibility, that that certainly translates to, you know, making this transition. It's been for me somewhat easy, if you will, coming from a CMO to a CEO. I have a fantastic CFO that really. It's just you know, one letter made, change. It's really easy. Yeah, right? Exactly. It's easy. You don't have to read your cards. <laughs> exactly. That's the big piece. But use whiteout. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Retype. But now we don't even use business cards anymore. So it's all digital anyway. So it certainly is that way. But I do think that it just, you know, knowing kind of the basic core elements of the business certainly helps. And then the last piece is really just generating ideas and not being stagnant. And then that's the thing about restaurants and not afraid to try new things and having someone that understands that, hey, look, we're not always going to get a home run here and we're going to get a, you know, a couple singles. We're going to strike out a couple times. We might walk and walk away from an issue. But I think as a marketer, you're always thinking about new ways to generate revenue, figure out how to kind of really connect with our guests out there. And so I think that just made, you know, a, a marketer's mind a little bit different in this day and age. And you certainly have that financial acumen and you can hire and have great teams that can fill in those areas where you might not be so strong in terms of those different areas. But being creative, being kind of that people person, that's hard to find in this day and age. Yeah. I think social media had a lot to play in it because I think it's such an important part of our culture today. Like it or don't like it, it is. So you really have to be on top of the trends really and what the younger folks are thinking about and what's happening on TikTok and Instagram and blah, 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 and YouTube. You really have to know what's happening. So I, I do see why marketing folks are kind of becoming the leaders now. Jimmy's all yes. upset. No, Shaz, I thought that was, I got to tell you, I thought that was such a, really a fantastic question that you asked. I mean, it was so good. I can't even believe you came up with it. There's a compliment in there somewhere, I'm sure, Jimmy. Somewhere, somewhere. No, I actually, I, 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 I know I do think it was an excellent question and I appreciate the Josh shared that and he's armed with a great team including a strong cfo i do think that there's been a trend and there's been a shift in fact i think the left side of the brain which is the more creative side i think is becoming more and more important because at the end of the day if something is rules-based and i will bring this into our next topic because if it's rules-based it could be outsourced it could be calculated in a myriad of ways we're going to talk about ai in a moment but I think the creative thinking certainly requires a different skill set. And it's not a shock that we're seeing the people that maybe have built their careers a little bit more with the creative side are now taking the leadership role. And as you said, Chats, CEOs are expected to be really not just leaders for their team, but they're going to be seen in the market and on all these different channels and, and mechanisms of social media. So there does need to be creative thinking. I thought it was a really good question, Chats. Sorry for the date, but I want to give you the good shout out. I want to shift gears into a, a drinking game that Chats and I play. We like to say it's an imaginary drinking game. And we'll just While say- we play we play, right, Jimmy? Imaginary. That's right. Imaginary, I say with air quotes. But the, the trade show season is on, I think, Brad is like on a barnstorming of trade shows and conferences. I think the events are really important. But one of the things we enjoy doing at these shows is having this imaginary drinking game where we pick a hot topic, we pick a theme that clearly we feel is in vogue. And every time somebody mentions the word of the hot topic, we'll raise an imaginary glass, pretend to do a sip of our drink or even a shot, and we'll stick with the imaginary theme. In the past, it's been off-premise. That was a big deal. Delivery, huge. 
labor, we talking about labor, still a big topic. All those are big topics. Right now, thus far in the conference circuit, to me, the hot topics are automation and AI. Those are your hottest topics. You have to say AI in anything you do now. You don't say AI, you're, AI. you're a loser. You're, you're, so you're totally. Yeah. So let's, go, to, let's go to kind of, you know, kind of what you're doing over at SBB now is all about AI. It's all they're doing. Oh, you have, you have, you have a big push. Robot. There's a big, big push and a big focus on testing out drive-throughs and specifically leveraging AI. And since it's such a hot topic, imaginary sip, can you share a little bit more about how that's going? Yeah, I mean, we're with Crystal, you know, and we are really from QSR all the way up to, you know, upscale dining and the J. Alexander side. With Crystal in particular, I mean, drive through is king. So many opportunities with a 91-year-old brand that certainly has been neglected over the years. And so, you know, the question, I mean, it's very easy for me to understand that we need to, you know, kick ass at the drive through I mean, there's no other way around it. There's technology that can help us in terms of digital screens, make that, you know, throughput faster and, and just do the basic pieces of it. And then if you bolt in AI and then make it a little bit easier, that helps some of the things you mentioned, like labor, get those order accuracy up. How can I interact from a beacon technology and into the app and all those good things? The one thing, and I've gone to, you know, probably 15, 16 different drive-throughs recently. I won't mention the brands because they're in different testing phases. And it's coming along. I mean, definitely AI, it, it, you can pick up where they're using it, how they're using it, whether it's partial experience or the full experience. And it, if there, it's just not, it's still a little clunky. And so we're going to test it, but you know, we're new in our own terms in terms of, of how we're going to integrate that in, into what we're trying to do. But you know, it's not quite G chat GPT in terms of just spitting out your order and it's instantly there. I mean, you can see pauses and delays. But you have to audibly accept the terms and conditions when you're ordering through this technology now. And so that's another little barrier out there. And then you look at kind of, you know, who are our guests that are coming through those drive throughs So yes, I think it will be a great tool. It's still a little bleeding edge in terms of, of what I expect from a consumer and that full transaction. But, you know, we will test and it's coming along. Like you, you mentioned, I mean, every couple of days you see an advancement or something that just changes. So as we invest in kind of the basic infrastructure of getting better screens, we do make sure that we can bolt on or use cloud technology to push down those new elements as they kind of get a little bit better in the marketplace. And so that's what I'm, you know, keenly aware of and want to make sure that we build in that degree of flexibility because with Crystal, man, I, I could spend millions of dollars just going through all of these different units and, and fix them up. But if I don't signify change to that consumer out there, there's no way they're going to try us because, you know, there's been some damage to these brands. So I don't want to go too far and have this robot or name the whatever you want to name it, have that kind of technology make a worse experience when in this day and age, I'm also trying to make that eye contact. We've all come out of COVID, blah, blah, blah. But at least that human interaction I do think is vitally important when it comes to restaurants. And that transcends into J. Alexander's. I mean, I want our, you know, champions, as we call them, our folks that are front lines that are, they're looking at our guests. That's part of the experience. And so how do I learn a little bit from J. Alexander's, sprinkle that magic into a crystal experience? And I think that's the game changer at the end of the day. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Let's change gears a little bit. I got to tell you, as restaurant guys here in New York City, Jimmy and I have worked as bartenders. I think Jimmy's uh, been a dishwasher. I know I've done that. I worked the fry station. Jimmy's had all the jobs. I've had all the jobs. We own and operate a bunch of restaurants. I think a question I always get from folks that wherever I am, whether it be my friends here or just people I meet is, boy, that's a tough business. You know, I say, oh boy, that's a tough business. I would say, look, is there an easy business? 
boy, that's a tough, but I know, but that's a really tough business, you know, I know, re- that's really hard business, you know, and, and it is. And I always say we're in New York City and we have rest. Boy, New York City, that's a really tough place to have a restaurant. It's even a tough business and a tough place to do business, you know. And you talk to people that never come into New York because it's so hard. But, you know, this is what we know. We've been here for 30 years of running restaurants. For you, when you look at yourself running and operating restaurants, you've been doing a long time. You find the biggest challenges are for you. And what do you think people, why is, do people just automatically say it's just such a tough business? I mean, I love the business. It is a tough business. But I suspect when I talk to other people in other business, business is tough too. I don't think there's an easy business. Why do you think everyone thinks that? And what are the challenges that make this such a tough business? And, and I mean, I know what they are, but for our listeners that are just, you know, what do you think it is? Yeah, it's interesting. I think recently that's been coming in and maybe that's just a byproduct of media inflation, you know, cost of goods at a grocery store. And then they, they would compare and contrast that to restaurants, the prices that, you know, all restaurant entities have had to take. So I think there's just been, a, a, you know, that hyper focus in terms of, wow, there's all these things between delivery and third-party fees and inflation and labor. And so I think it just kind of became in vogue to really, you know, look at restaurants from that, that standpoint. But I, I still think that the most complicated piece right now is the buying power. So it's the supply chain. Um, initiative, you know, we, we see these spikes that are, you know, all over the place. And so that piece is always a challenge. And, and how do you scramble to, you know, can we raise prices again? Do we do it surgically? Do we take a percent increase across the lines? How do we make money when we're talking about, you know, this percentage fee that's going through the third party systems? And then as that's going down, you know, where are you going to make up that revenue in the back end? So. I just do think that that piece is just, you know, supply chain in general. We just actually got out of a meeting before we hopped on, on, you know, what's happening in state prices and that, you know, the herd, cattle herd is definitely lower and it's going to only impact what we're trying to do in Q1 of next year. And so those prices are going to spike. And I've got Logan's Roadhouse that's very, you know, middle America, very value conscious. I've got to compete against Texas Roadhouse is the juggernaut in this category. And I can't raise prices too much, but I've still got to make profit. So that's been the trickiest part about like where we sit in this day and age. I think that's why people have just been saying, hey, man, how do you survive when you got all these different variables? But you do have to love it. And you guys, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I was about to say, I mean, man, you have to love it. If you don't love it, if do. it's all about the money, it's probably nothing. Exactly. exactly. There's yeah. plenty of money to be made, but it's if it's all about the love of money, that's probably not the best business. You really do have to love hospitality and love making people happy. Right. And building restaurants is even more difficult. Like, I mean, yes. just, I just, we are opening a new J. Alexander's in, in Annapolis and man, like just, it's such a pain in the ass to get permits nowadays, to get better contractors to, you know, everything is inflated in terms of what we have to pay. So you've got all this capital that's going out the door before, you know, a guest even enters that building. And I think it's more difficult now in just today's day and age of just getting all of those variables to line up. And then, you know, it's, hey, got to have good food quality, got to hire the best people we possibly can, have to train them. I mean, it just goes on and on. Actually, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to be a I'm part of your fan club today. I think you're crushing it. I got to raise my own game. You're right. It's a business that everyone says is so hard. And it's also a business where everyone has an opinion. Everyone's going oh, to tell you Jimmy, how to do why it. don't you, you know what you need to do with yeah. your restaurant? Yeah. You know, Josh, let me tell you what you need to go with Logan Steakhouse <laughs> if you want to. Yes. You know what you got to do? Do me a favor. Shut the F up. <laughs> Don't tell me what I got to do. Okay. <laughs> I think it's so interesting. On the one hand, there's recognition. It's a really hard business, as you said, as are others. But it's also a business that everyone has an opinion. Everyone thinks they understand it because they project their guest experience onto it. But that's a topic for another time. 
But one thing I'd mention, Jimmy, on that front is that the new piece that you have are your own employees critiquing, you know, your restaurant on TikTok. So the past, whatever, six months or so, you know, you've yes. seen, even I've seen them in some of our, you know, they'll come in and they'll just in the alley, start a TikTok and they'll criticize a guest or talk about an experience. So that's in real time. And, and yes. those are seen by their fans. So that's a completely new apparatus to have your own Yelp, if you will, on TikTok of your own kind of teammates that are yes. talking about your brand. So that's something to deal I got to tell you, well. speaking of that, I just saw someone, I was on Instagram or TikTok, but so they were an employee at like McDonald's or something, one of the big chains. And literally they were in the kitchen with their phone. They're like, they're like, look, they don't even, we don't even make our pancakes. We, look at this. We buy them. They're, they come in a bag. We just heat them up. We charge $8. Look at this. We don't even make it. I was like, wow, that's just crazy that they work there. And they're just literally just, for lack of a better, just shitting on the place they work and just showing how, like, I don't know. It was just, it was crazy to me. It's almost like, I don't want my boys having a phone in there because it's like right. trade secrets or whatever. And you'll look down and there's a million views on that. So it's, yes. it's yeah. Like, why would I ever buy pancakes at McDonald's? They come in a bag and they just throw them in their microwave. It's like, yeah, why would I eat that? You know, anyway. <laughs> All right. I have job. Love it. Everyone's got a phone. Everyone's got a camera. Listen, uh, we're going to go into our uh, one of our favorite segments, Talking Back. Chats and I clearly enjoy bringing guests on, bringing friends on, and chatting, talking shop about this industry we love. But we learned along the way that sometimes our guest has a question or two for us. So let's kick off Talking Back. Josh, we're going to give you the microphone. We're going to let you ask us a question or two. And as we like to say, nothing is off the table. The microphone is yours. Nothing is off the table. Nothing off the table. All right. Well, all right. First one for shots. When you land in Palm Springs, what's your first visit going to be? Oh, in Palm Springs. I suspect. Uh, create, like, right? You're headed, you're headed to create yeah, I'm he this I'm weekend, headed to right? Create, headed to create. And I just found out that I have to be at a meeting at 11 a.m. on Sunday, which means I had to change my flight. Now I've got to go on Saturday. So I've got to get there Saturday morning but due to the flights and stuff. So I'm going to be there all day Saturday. So I just was communicating with a few friends that are going to be there. And we all agreed our first stop will be the pool at Margaritaville. <laughs> and you'll get margaritas at the pool at Margaritaville. <laughs> and now we because we've got nothing to do on saturday we have to be there because we have a very early morning meeting on sunday so easy question i appreciate that but yeah pool if you're gonna be, are you gonna be there i'm gonna be there yeah i'm speaking on monday so because i think it's early with sam and so got a couple you know doing well, that i will, that, be, uh, I will be with you sunday night having a drink maybe throwing some craps in the corner somewhere there you go nice yeah. with me and i've never been that margarita though so i'm looking forward to the property as well R.I.P. Mr. Jimmy Buffett. R.I.P. Mr. Jimmy Buffett. There you go. Yeah, definitely. Give a shout out. We actually, we've had a couple of cheeseburgers in paradise at some of our concepts in Florida, which it's been good to kind of at least get that out there. But Jimmy, I, I, you know, a serious question, and you've had many guests on, you're, you're on the business side of things. Yes. Where do you see pricing? I mean, is there elasticity in the marketplace to continue to raise prices? Where's that proverbial ceiling and who's going to win? Who's going to lose out there? Yeah, great. No, great question. And I'll give you my unfiltered, un unvarnished opinion with the caveat that we're kind of in uncharted territory. I think, first of all, I think supply chain issues and certainly inflation issues and how correlated they are at the end of the day have pushed prices on operators and then the need to pass them through. I also feel that sometimes, you know, there's a chat that would joke, maybe inflation or supply chain specifically hit one type of product. And we're like, the, the other products like, why don't we just raise our prices and blame the supply yeah, chain? Once, once the chickens guy sees the beef guy raising prices, like, oh yeah, there's no chickens left. We got to raise prices. And then the avocado guy's like, 
Huh? Yeah, there's no avocado. We've got to raise those prices. Before you know it, everyone's just doing it. But at the end of the day, the fact is prices have gone up. I think coming out of COVID, the guest has tolerated that as well as possible because we really have seen a, a spike in pricing. I think without pushing the envelope, there is some really interesting tech out there that's trying to create greater transparency around the ordering process and whatnot, but that's a heavy lift. So the fact is, I think we're going to see some shifting in dining habits. You know, you're seeing a surge in some QSRs, part because you're seeing folks that maybe would have gone to a full service casual place. Just, oh, I don't want to say trading down, that sounds negative, but moving down in price point, we're seeing folks kind of thinking about beverages differently because I know that's an area where operators, there's only so much you can charge for that steak, as you said, before you hit a difficult price point. So you need to find other ways for you to be successful or rather, you know, to monetize the, you know, a fair exchange. Jimmy, the, I, you know, they're, they're hitting the alcoholic is paying for everything. That's what's yes, happening, Jimmy. I mean, <laughs> if you like wine or whiskey, yeah. I mean, right? Oh, and, and bottled water and the mocktails and just you're seeing a big push to allocate those prices uh, or raise the price on the beverage side. But I'll tell you, Josh, to your question, I think we're hitting a breaking point. And then the question is going to be, at the end of the day, it's not fair to tax the operator. It, there's a limit to what the guests can do and, and the manufacturers, distributors. So I do think we're reaching that point. The guests will be responding with their wallet by where they now spend their dollars, how they go about doing it and where they cut back. But at the end of the day, I do think we've hit that tipping point because the prices continue to go up. And I'm now hearing from guests more and more that they are going to really rethink, you know, they're dining out and they're ordering in and, and the cooking and yada, yada, yada. I just think from what I hear, Jimmy, from what I hear is everyone in the entire United States is going to be taking Ozempic very shortly, which <laughs> will inhibit all of their need to eat. And they are going on strike. So they're just all going to think Ozempic and no one's going to want to eat anymore. And they're not going to stop until the prices come down. What do you think about that, go. Jimmy? I think big I've been doing a lot big, of thinking about this. I think big farmer got you, Shatsy. All of a sudden, you're a big yeah, farmer. Yeah, and no one's going to want to eat. No one's going to be hungry. And then everyone, and then McDonald's is going to start lowering the price before you know Big Mac, I mean, nine cents again. You'll see. That that's not so good for our business, Shatsy. Not good for us. We were we're pro I think they're operator. paying you in gold bars, Shatsy. Yes, pro yeah, operator. No. All right, bad bad idea. Bad, bad idea. idea. All right, listen, we got to go into the food service feud because we got to get. We got to get Josh out of here. He's got a lot of work to do. But before we do, we got Food Service Feud, Celebrity Edition. Are you ready, guys? Okay. We we asked, as you guys know, a lot of celebrities have got their start in hospitality over the years. You know, I mean, you always hear a famous a singer or actor, what have you, was a bartender here or a waiter here or what have you. So we've got our Food Service Feud, Celebrity Edition. Here we go. I'm going to ask you guys, okay, which celebrity, and you can chime in with your buzzer your fake buzzer, whatever it is, your imaginary buzzer, which celebrity got their start working in the restaurant business in the great state of Colorado? Was it Mr. David Letterman, Mr. Tim Allen, Sarah Jessica Parker, also known as SJP, not to be confused with SB, SPP, or was it <laughs> Diane Keaton? Diane Keaton. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I'll let, I'll let our Josh, friend Josh first. think first. Yeah, he made the sound, Jimmy. Yes. What's your answer? I was saying Diane Keaton. And, sorry, Jimmy, Dang you it. can steal a feud for the Fritchling family and make the whole family proud. I'm going with Tim Allen. It is not Tim Allen. I'm sorry. Both of you guys lost the food service feud today. The winner, of course, is Mr. David Letterman, renowned wow. show host. 
crazy wow. beard today. But yeah, he worked at Flagstaff House Restaurant in Boulder, oh, wow. Colorado, back in the 1960s, Jimmy. Jimmy, Eesh. I think you visited that store when you were very young. But yes. yes. And I got to tell you, you know, the interesting thing is, Jimmy, if Winolo was around, if the Winolo app was around, that Winolo company, Winolo.com, was around, Mr. David Letterman, if he used Winolo, okay, he may have never gone on to a talk show host, and he may have been continuing to work at the Flagstaff House Restaurant in Boulder, Colorado. So that is our food service feud edition. No winners today. No prizes going out, but it was a great, great uh, episode or great, uh, great, great edition. Go, Jimbo. Take us away for tri Trivia Tuesday. Oh, and I got plug. I got to plug Wonolo.com. W-O-N-O-L-O. Wonolo.com. <laughs> Their new jingle, Winolo.com. Nice. I like it. All right. Listen, remember at the top of the episode, we played the game Two Truths and a Lie. We have Shatsy jump in, but first, quick review. Here are the three factoids. One, Josh once traveled to Moscow, Russia. Fact two, Josh once flew on Air Force One. Fact three, Josh is a franchisee. Shatsy, go for okay. it. Okay. As a U.S. Senator, Josh flew on Air Force One. We understand that because I see senators are always hopping around on that big plane. And, and I think I think he I think he was a franchisee. I mean, I'm, I mean, was it a franchisee or he is. like he is a friend like like who? Oh, is currently a franchisee? Like, does he own a Quiznos right now? Like, no, I don't think he's a friend. So I say he went to Moscow on Air Force One and he didn't have a franchise with. All right. Well, well played, Chatsy. But we're going to find out the man himself, Mr. Josh Kern, which one's the two truths, which one's the not a truth. Well, the one truth is yes, flew on Air Force One, unfortunately not to Moscow, but from uh, Washington, D.C. to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I was born nice. and raised. That's where our senator was from. So Bill Clinton was on the plane. No, Monica Lewinsky was not on the plane. So <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> uh, he, I didn't he, think anyone was going to go there, but we did. Yes, uh, we did. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have the M&Ms from the airplane, so that is the case. And no, I'm not a franchisee, but certainly have have Moscow in, in, in my blood and my father actually was a history professor at the uh, University of New Mexico and specialized in, in Soviet affairs, if you will. And my middle name is K-A-R-L, Carl, affectionately after Karl Marx, because that's what he wrote nice. a book on is Karl Marx. So interesting history when it comes to where I've been and what I've been up to, for sure. And with the record show, Shatsy, you got it, Shatsy. He's been to Moscow. He fought Air Force One. He's out of franchise. Shatsy, you are a winner, sir. Uh, no, I, I got to tell you, Jimmy, how do I monetize this game? How do I do it? Do I win this thing? <laughs> The same way we're going to monetize, boom, volume, baby. Mon volume. Right, there you I go. Like volume. Right. Listen, I, I, I got to tell you, I, my record is unbelievable. I got to jump into the branded quick fire. This is probably the greatest segment of all podcasting in the world. There are hundreds of millions of podcasts, but none do a branded quick fire. We are the only podcast exclusively doing the quick fire. We own the name quickfire.com <laughs> or just branded quick fire. Josh, I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too long. Don't take a, you know, a long time to think of this and just answer whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready, sir? Because we got to get you out of here. I'm ready. Favorite all-time late-night TV host? David Letterman. <laughs> what are you getting dinner from tonight, sir? Stony River. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite food city in the world? Used to be New York. Now it's L.A. That? Oh, Jimmy, giving us a dig over here. Huh? <laughs> Favorite place to travel? London, England. Love it. Love it there. Love it. If you want to challenge Jimmy Ryan to a game of Frogger, the old video game, the old reliable, the old Frogger, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> we have better odds of beating. Now, remember, this is the video game. It's not actually, we're not actually doing the Frogger. It's a video game. Not the, not the Seinfeld episode where it was the Kramer that actually did. We are actually moving the Frogger game on the street. We are, not, we are standing there playing Frogger. I think I could beat you because I could distract you, get you in a conversation, and you take your eye off the screen. Why yeah. does everybody think I have ADD? <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. exactly. What? Yeah, you answer? probably would. I would lose interest in Frogger, and I would move on. I'd be like, dude, they got Pac-Man over there. Asteroids, Jimmy, they got asteroids. <laughs> Galaga. Yeah, pole position, Jimmy, there's position. I would, yeah, I would. I agree. I generally always lose on that one there. But all right, Jimmy, <laughs> yes. take us home, man. All right, I, I have to say I, I'm going to agree with Josh's answer on that. But that's, we'll talk more about that another time. Listen, Josh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and sharing uh, your great insight. We, we really do enjoy and have super fun times having long-standing owner operators and folks to just continue to make things happen truly in this industry we love. So thank you for that. We appreciate everything you're doing with SPB. Continue to uh, cheerlead and want to be an ally to you any way we can. For any of our listeners who want to get in touch with Josh directly, we're, we're now KG veterans of cast. If you email the podcast team at podcastbrandedstrategic.com, We'd be happy to make an introduction. At I do have Josh's cell phone, Jimmy. I got it yeah. when we were at Prosper. <laughs> yeah, it's a season one rookie move. We don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. What if, and people, then, what what if people have real questions for Josh? And Shotzi, you did make a great connection and that did cross the finish line. So thank you oh, for nice. that. Oh, uh, nice. Excellent. Yes, thank yes. you for that. That was awesome. We that love, was a very funny story. Very funny we story. Love, we love connecting our friends and our, and, and our community. And to our listeners, we really always want to thank you for tuning in. As Shatsy said, I think he put, put an inflated number on it, but we do know that there are a lot of podcasts out there and the fact that our subscriber base just continues to grow each and every week, every month. We just feel very fortunate. So you know we'll why? Because it's people like Josh Kern. That's yes. why, Jimmy. There it is. It's people like There you Josh. go. Let's double the favor of this episode. A few last words. All right. So again, this is Jimmy Frischer, your finance guy. Again, with appreciation of Mr. Josh Kern, I'm going to pass it back to my boy Shatsy to close us out. I got to say, if you haven't signed up already, we have a newsletter every Saturday morning. It is called The Hospitality Headline. Go to hospitalityheadline.com. Jimmy writes a beautiful piece. We've got a lot of other very talented and phenomenal people contributing, but it's The Hospitality Headline. It comes out about 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. By the time you're done with it, it'll be after dinner on Sunday. So it's not a short piece, but everyone loves it. I highly recommend you check out The Hospitality Headline because it really is great. My last thing is, if you were in the, the future of work is here, Jimmy. No resumes, no more interviews. The world of work made simple. Oneolo.com. Oneolo.com. It's Shatsy signing off. Thank you, everybody. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Touch Bistro is an all-in-one POS and restaurant management system. That's a all-in-one point-of-sale restaurant management system that makes running a restaurant easier, super easy, providing the most essential front-of-house and back-of-house and guest engagement solutions all on one powerful platform. Touch Bistro helps restaurateurs streamline and simplify their operations, allowing them to spend less time manually connecting the dots and more time connecting with guests and growing their business. That's right, more time connecting with guests and growing their business. Built to meet the unique needs of the restaurant industry. Touch Bistro, it's fast, it's reliable, 
and it's easy to use. And it has all the features restaurateurs need to increase sales and deliver a great guest experience. And, and listen to this, it saves you both time and money. You want to learn more about Touch Bistro? You want to learn more? Visit touchbistro.com. That's touchbistro.com. And you will learn everything you need about one of the greatest point-to-sale systems ever to come to the market. I encourage everyone to go visit touchbistro.com. And uh, if you want to email us, just email us at podcastatbrandstrategic.com, and we'll make a direct introduction to the folks at Touch Bistro. We will go right to the CEO. Samir's the CEO. We will connect you to the CEO. That's the kind of service that Touch Bistro has. So I implore everybody, check out Touch, Touch Bistro, everybody.